at the time. I was like, I don't know how many mini comics I'd done, but I was like, I, I'm just going to keep working and getting better and keep telling stories. And, 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 you know, you don't, you just don't, you don't become too precious about uh, one page or one panel or one book. Even, you know, you just, you know, try to do the best you can and pour everything you've got into it. And then, and then get better on the next one. And I felt like I've, that's how I, that's how I work, you know, is, um, uh, just, you know, don't be too precious about anything and, and just, uh, do a lot of work. Welcome back to Creative Spaces. My name is Kevin Knight. I run a website called eatgeekplay.com. And this is the podcast where we sit down with different creators, writers, artists, directors, other random geeks, and we talk about the creative process, from what inspires people, what motivates people, and how they stay productive. This week, I catch up with Matt Kent. Matt is the mind behind mind management, and he also uh, writes a slew of books for Valiant Comics, and he's just a wealth of knowledge. Uh, It was such a fun time sitting down talking to this guy, so... Let's just uh, get right into it. This is the conversation I had with Matt Kent. Yeah, hi, I'm Matt Kent. And Matt, where where do you call home right now? Oh, uh, I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, nice, nice. And did you grow up there? Mostly, I uh. I was born in Chicktawaga, New York, and then we moved to Kansas City. I lived there through high school, and then we moved to St. Louis. Um, you know, my last year of high school, so I've been here ever since, which is like, whatever, however many years, from 1991 until now, whatever that is. Gotcha. And what are you working on right now? Um, I'm working on mind management. I'm actually finishing the last, I'm in the last two issues of that, you know, uh, 35 and 36, and then... Uh, I'm writing a ton of books for Valiant, Ninjak, Unity, um, Rye, and uh, I'm also um, in Divinity, which just finished. And then I'm doing a book with Scott Collins for Dark Horse called Pastaways, which is, you know, science fiction. He's I'm writing, he's drawing. You've pretty much become the uh, Valiant's in-house writer now, huh? Yeah, you know, I, I think I just found like a good it's like a good home with them and and I really love Warren Simon's editor the editor this is so great you know like I we get along so well and we work well together and I feel like I feel like they've given me such a a big sandbox plane and, and a long leash to run around on that uh I, there's really no difference when I'm writing for them I don't feel any different than I'm writing my own creator own books you know and they just let let me sort of run wild and uh so it's been a great experience I don't you know, if I'm going to do work for hire, you don't get better than that. Were you um, were you a fan of of Valiant before, like the, yeah, the early stuff? Yeah, like back in the '90s. Like I think I'd kind of gotten burned out on superhero stuff. I don't know what was coming out around then. Um, if uh, Image just launched or whatever, I, I can't remember what it was. But I just remember I'm like, I feel like I'm done with superheroes. And then my brother. Uh, he's also, he got me in the comics when we were kids, you know, and he was, he's like six years older than me and he's reading Valiant, Valiant. He's like, Oh, he's pick up Harbinger and, and, uh, and a couple of the other ones. And he's like, and so I was like, I'll try it, you know? And then I picked them up and, um, and the writing was really good, you know, and, and the stories were really good and the characters were believable and, 
Um, and I was just hooked on them then and I was buying it then. And then, and then I, I sort of like drop out of, out of all comics for a little bit. And then, uh, you, and then you take that, the break over girls. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, you know, you, you go to college and then I was like, and I was, uh, I don't know what it, I honestly, I can't remember what it was. I think it was just a couple of years where like I didn't have money and I was going to college and I was, you know, I was, it wasn't that I didn't like comics. It was just that I, for some reason I just wasn't getting them, you know, but it was only like a year, year or two gap. I think we all go through that at some point. Yeah. It, and it's, yeah, it was like, it wasn't a conscious thing even. It wasn't like I'm done, you know, it's just, you sort of fade away and then get back into it. Hopefully you get back into it. <laughs> so do you remember reading your first comic book? Do you remember what it was? Um, man, I don't remember the first one, but I remember the first handful, you know, and my brother always, I would drive my brother crazy cause he's super, uh, he would, you know, bagging and boarding as soon as bags and boards were invented. He always had his stuff stacked and it was neatly organized on his shelf, you know, and I literally, I would fall asleep in my bed with comics on underneath and around me, you know, and it would drive nuts. So I remember my, I had like GI Joe number one and the cover just came off of it cause I was reading it so much. And then what else? It was like right around the end of Frank Miller's run of Daredevil, like a bunch of those. I was reading those. Um, and those are like my earliest things I remember loving, you know. Do you remember the first comic book that you read that kind of influenced you to, to be a writer? Yeah, it was. Uh, um, it's funny because somebody asked me that last. I've been asked that a few times and I never know. I'm like, well, I don't really I can't remember, you know, and then. And then after three or four times getting asked it, uh, I start to think about it afterwards, you know, and the answer is always a lie or something that's not quite right. You know, and then I finally figured it out uh, maybe last year, but it was that it was the issue of Daredevil and I can't remember the number, but it was the issue of Daredevil where he, uh, where Bullseye was, he dropped Bullseye off the wire or whatever, and he's paralyzed and they're in the, and the whole issue, they're in the hospital and Daredevil's playing Russian roulette with him and he, he's got the gun he's pointing at himself and then pointing at bullseye and just having this conversation bullseye can't talk and he's just going back and forth. And then, and then I pulled that issue out recently and I was like, yeah, I forget. there's a subplot too with this kid watching daredevil beat the crap out of bullseye. And like this whole, I, the subplot was like the effect of violence on kids. And, and then you've got daredevil pointing his gun at bullseye for the whole issue. And I, and I remember reading that at the time I'm like, what? It was so intense, you know, nothing, there was nothing like that on the stands, you know, and I'm like, it, it was just amazing to me, you know, and as a kid, you don't really know why or how that's working. But then as you get older, you're like, oh, okay, it was great. Like it's just action comic, but it, it's dealing with the aftermath, you know, and the effects of violence, what the real effects of violence are, you know, and, and uh, it was just, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, oh, that's great. You know, it's not just about the fighting you can do more with comics, you know, than just have a big fight and make it fun. You can, you can show more. And I, I found it a couple of weeks ago cause I'm getting all my old issues just bound in hardcover books. So I can look at them more, you know, and then I found that one. I was like, Oh, it wasn't, it wasn't the cover. I remember, I thought it was the cover where he's holding a gun and pointing it at you. No, it's not, it's a different issue, but <laughs> yeah, it's uh, that run still. Do you go back and read old stuff much? Not much, you know, I'll look at it, you know, or I'll pick it up and look through it and just to remember it. And, uh, but I don't, honestly, I haven't had time really to read a lot. And, and, uh, I don't know, sit down every once in a while and read like some new book, you know, or read a friend's book comic that's coming out so that I can say that I read it, you know, (laughs) and support my friends. 
but yeah, I don't read as much anymore. I end up reading more books for research and just books on other kind of prose and science fiction and different things just for inspiration. So when did you get into writing? Was this always something you wanted to pursue or? Yeah. Even in school, like in high school, I would, I loved English class, you know, and when we got to write any kind of like essay or anything, I just, I liked writing anything, you know, and I would, and we would have to, you know, analyze Huckleberry Finn or do something about Edgar Allan Poe. And I would, I would write the essay and then I would draw a cover for it, you know? And, and then, uh, and I, I'm sure all the other kids thought it was just like the ultimate kiss ass or something. <laughs> I was like, Oh, you got to draw a cover. I was like, I just, I like drawing too, you know? And, and I was never in art class, you know, I really liked the writing stuff. And then, the and then the art, the English teacher started showing the art teacher, my stuff I was turning in. He, and she was like, why aren't you in art class? <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know. You know, I, just, I like writing and drawing. And, uh, but, uh, and so then she recruited me into art in high school. And then, and then was, I was like, oh, I, and I always love comics, you know. And, and, and so I don't know. I just, they're sort of inseparable to me. Like, I like doing both. And I never thought about doing anything but both of those things, you know, in some degree or another. Do you, do you think of yourself more as an artist or as, as a writer? Yeah, I don't know. I honestly, I can't separate it. You know, like if if you're gonna say I could do only one thing the rest of my life, I I don't know what I would do because I, I, you know, I love doing what I'm doing because I can I can write for two weeks straight and just until I burn myself out on writing, and then go sit at the art table and draw, you know, and draw for two weeks straight, and then it's such a great relief and like a joy to do that, you know, and 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 then I get burned out on drawing and go back to writing. So I'm never. I'm always excited about the thing I'm doing. I never get tired of it. Um, so what, what point did you decide you were going to pursue it as a career? Uh, boy, I, I think in high school I was like, Oh, that'd be fun. By the time I got to college, I'm like, eh, I don't, I don't think the style, the things I, the stories I want to tell them, the style I want to work in is not something that is, I don't see it in the marketplace. I don't think it's marketable or, or will happen, you know? And by the time I graduated college, I was like, oh, there was there were things coming out like Eight Ball and um, Chris Ware was doing some cool stuff and and uh, God, who else? And then Hate, you know, Peter Baggy's Hate, which is nothing like anything I do. But I was like, oh, there's a lot of there's a lot of crazy comics out that aren't, you know. So that was that was like Marvel books, ninety nine ish, right? Yeah, when did I? I graduated in ninety five. So yeah, oh yeah, okay, so like ninety six, ninety seven ish. Yeah, and I, I those early issues of Eight Ball. I, I think I remember going to Chicago Comic Con or whatever before it was Wizard World, or and uh, and I remember picking up the. It was the first two or three issues of Eight Ball that come out. I was reading those on the way home in the car. You know, my brother and I drove up from St. Louis, and on the way home, I'm reading them. And I think it was that was literally was the moment where I was like, I got to do. I want to do comics. You know, this is things he's doing in here are amazing. These are it's inspirational, and and you can tell these kind of weird stories, and and somebody's there's a market for it, I guess, because I bought them. You know, and like hopefully, hopefully there's a market for that, and uh, and that's where the light kind of went on. Where I was like, okay, and so then I was halfway through college, probably, and uh, I was, and then I just focused on okay, what do I need to do? So I took a bunch of graphic design classes. I took a ton of figure drawing, you know, I learned how to draw, I learned how to paint and just how to learn all the disciplines. And then, and then I would sort of figure out how to put all that together into what I wanted to do. So what, by the were, time you, I, what were you going uh, to college for? 
uh, art with graphic design, you know, that was my, my plan was always to like, you know, do the graphic design enough that I could get a job out of college, move out of the house. You know, I didn't want to live at home with my parents. <laughs> no offense. They're great. Super supportive. But, you know, I wanted oh, I needed to get out. And uh, so that I was like, graphic design jobs are kind of easier to get than comic book jobs. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I can do that and I'll just do comics, make my own stuff on the side, you know, until until that takes off. And that's just what I did. You know, I got out of school. I did graphic design for three or four years full time and just did comics, you know, during and after work. Were you just doing making your own pressing stuff or were you just pitching stuff out to other companies? Yeah, no, I didn't pitch anything. I I really wasn't interested in, in getting like work from like Marvel and DC and I, I always want to do kind of my own thing, you know, and and like put you know, put a graphic novel together. So that's Pistol Whip came about just because I was I'd done a bunch of mini comics, you know, and they were all about my horrible day job and all these autobiographical things, you know, and then and then I started to do a little bit of science fiction with these sort of weird little cartoon characters and and I would print those up. I would just print them up at work, you know, do like 40 or 50 copies and take them to comic shops and put them on the, on the, whatever, the mini comic rack and sell them that way. Uh, but I always saw that as like practice. Like I was working up to doing a graphic novel and then that's how Pistol Whip came about. I was like, okay, I feel like I was finally ready. I'd done probably a hundred pages, 200 pages worth of mini comics. I'm like, I'm going to try a graphic novel and make it as good as I can make it. And then, uh, and then I'll try to get published, you know? And so I put that book together, uh, took it to San Diego, shopped it around and then top shelf, uh, ended up picking it up, you know, as is. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. I was San Diego in year 2000 and I took it to a bunch of different publishers. I had like mock-ups made up that looked just like published the finished book, you know, square bound and 120 pages and had a cover and all special paper and, and I just made it look finished, you know, because I had the design knowledge, you know, I could do all the production and everything. So I could make it look like a real book with the idea being, you know, there's no, you don't have to use your imagination. You just have to put your logo on this thing. And publish it. <laughs> you know, you, you don't have to trust or, or hope that I can finish it or wonder if the story is going to be any good. You can just read it and find, and know if it's good or not. When you do all the work for them, it makes it a lot easier, right? Yeah, that was, that was the thing. I was like, and I, I wasn't, you know, I didn't know anybody. I didn't know how to break in or anything. I just, I was just trying to do everything possible, everything I could think of, which, you know, and it, in hindsight, I was like, oh, that's the best way to do it is to just take, take any variable out of the equation, you know, and, and just be like, here, this is it. I'd, all I need is a publisher, you know, somebody with some money. You went from Pistol Whip to Super Spy, right? No, I, Pistol Whip came out. And then uh, during the time I was making Pistol Whip, I met a friend. And we started working together and then he had an idea to spin Pistol Whip into like a, like a series. So we did a second book called The Yellow Menace, which is yeah, a sequel yeah. to Pistol Whip. Okay. And then, and then along with Pistol Whip, he and I did, uh, this is Jason Hall. He and I did a short, like a 24 page comic called Mephisto in the Empty Box, which is like a short story about a magician mm-hmm. that it also tied into Pistol Whip. So there were like three Pistol Whip books all together, um, that we did over the next couple of years. Um, and then what was after, and then two sisters was after that. I was like, I need to work on my own. And so I, two sisters came about and that's, that was just like a 300 page spy graphic novel, sort of like a prequel to the super spy, you know? I never um, read that one. 
Wow. It's a, I don't know, it might have just gone out of print. Dark Horse is reprinting it and it's going to be in color. It was black oh, cool. and white originally. But yeah, Dark Horse is, they've taken all my backlist, they're reprinting everything and it's all in color. And, and uh, so Two Sisters is coming out probably uh, end of the year, I guess. I'll have to look at the date. Um, and then Pistol just came out. The hardcover, or it's it's coming out in a couple of weeks. The hardcover is collecting everything in color. So that'll oh, be great. Out. Um, but yeah, so Two Sisters was like that. That was the first book where I was like, okay, I'm doing my own thing. And then, and then that was sort of working up to Super Spy, um, which was the next one. So it was like I was doing about a book a year. So it was like Pistol Whip, a second book, then Two Sisters, and then Super Spy was the next one. And Super Spy was was pretty much the book that kind of made you Matt Kent, the 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 writer artist, right? Yeah, that was a, like if you if you if I had to pick a favorite book, it would be that one. Only not because of the content, but just because it represented like my break from from what I was doing and actually being able to make a living at it. You know, I got laid off from my job, uh, like my design job, and I was like, like, instead of trying to find another job, I'm like, I'm just going to take this opportunity to uh, try to do comics full time, you know, and see if I can make a living at it, um, and then treating it like a job. Uh, made it happen you know i feel like that that's what i worked every day i did super spy i was basically doing eight pages of comics every week for a year um full color writing drawing putting it up online as a web comic first and um and then at the end of the year uh collecting it all editing putting it together you know and, and uh top shelf putting it out as a book um but yeah that was and i think part of it was like i'd finally I'd learned enough and I'd taken everything I'd learned up to that point. I've done, I'd done probably, I've probably done like 700, 800 pages of comics total. And I, I think that you kind of need to do that many, you know, before you start doing something really, you know, really good. <laughs> and then, uh, and so that book, all that stuff came together just at the right time. You know, I didn't have a day job. Um, and my daughter was born, you know, that same year. And so I was like, I got, this has to happen. I was like super motivated. <laughs> what was that like that, that making that leap though, that's gotta be scary. Like, you know, kind of throwing the caution into the wind and, and, you know, going, okay, yeah. I'm going to put a full-time career into comic books. Yeah. It wasn't, it was scary. It wasn't scary until the unemployment ran out, you know, and then it's like, okay, <laughs> no, there's no safety net, you know? So I think the first year I was like, Oh, okay, we'll see how it goes. And, and, uh, and then it it really was like the next couple of years I started things started to pick up you know you're sort of in free fall it's like where's the money coming from how's this going to work and then stuff it starts to gain traction you know and the book starts to sell and then the next book comes out and 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 then things get better you know and I think three story was the book I did after Super Spy and then when that got that got optioned for a movie I was like okay we're, now we're now we have money and savings we're going to be fine you know. <laughs> so, God for those movie options, right? Yeah, no, you know, it's great. It's like, I, I love it because it's just, that means I can do more comics without, and be stress-free, you know? Like, the only thing I'm worrying about is making a good comic book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially early on. Now, now the comics actually are self-sustaining and, you know, I can make a living. I don't need movie money anymore, but it's not, it's, it doesn't hurt. Yeah, I, I think the best thing um, for freelancers is to have, if you have a kid, you know, when we had our daughter, daughter just forced me into like a more structured way of living you know and i really don't know any different because i was laid off from my job and then our daughter was born like the next week and so i've always known 
like I've got to get up at a certain time, you know, whenever she's ready to get up, I got to get up. And then when she went to school, it's like she has to be at school this time. So then I know I have, you know, from eight o'clock to three o'clock guaranteed work time, you know, so it has to happen <laughs> in that time. I'm not just going to go back to sleep or I can't, you know, whatever. It's just, it really helped. I think that helped with my work ethic, you know, and, and just making sure, uh, I, you know, I have this one window to work in. It doesn't matter if I'm inspired to work or not. I, this is my window. If I don't get it done here, it doesn't get done. <laughs> wow. That, that definitely helps. You know. Do you ever find yourself like getting caught in that rabbit hole of like too many things to do? Not, not sure what to focus on. Yeah, I think uh, a year or two ago, I was writing from, I was doing stuff for Marvel and DC and Valiant and my stuff all at the same time. And it, that was just, I was coming off, I was, I, it all started coming in. I was like, oh, I better not turn it down. What if I, what if I never get anything ever again? You know, so I was just taking everything because it, it, things are just broken open. And, and I wasn't, I was like, I didn't, I'd never had too many things to do. You know, I've always had just enough. <laughs> And, uh, and so I took it all and then that was crazy. I would go to bed at night and my mind was just spinning and it was jumping from like Spider-Man to Justice League to mind management to, um, you know, and I just couldn't, my mind couldn't focus on one thing. And, uh, and so that was not healthy. <laughs> and so I was like, I gotta, I need to start pairing things back, you know, and doing a, a smaller workload. And, and then honestly, like the funny thing was that I think it was just having to work in three or four different universes all at once. That's what was hard. You know, I could write like I can write four Valiant books because everything's in the same universe and all the rules are the same, you know, and, and it's easier to, I, I can focus on that and see how things work together. But if I have to jump from that to justice league where the rules are all different, you know, and then go to Marvel where it's like, okay, who's there? They have shield. DC has, uh, you know, just keeping all that stuff that starts to drive me crazy after a while. I need, I need to focus on one universe at a time. <laughs> That's got to be the hard. How do you keep track of all of that then? I mean, with, with the fact that you're writing multiple books, do you have a way of um, keeping track of what you're writing and, and uh, like a process schedule or anything like that? No, that's why it was too crazy. That's why now I've, I've sort of just pared it down and I'm, I'm focusing on my stuff and then Valiant and, and uh, it's just easier because I was, I could do it when I'm in it. I, you know, I keep everything in my head, but as soon as I would write it, it would just leave. I would forget what I'd done. You know, I have to go back and read everything and, and reimmerse myself, you know? And, um, but what, what ended up helping was just writing big chunks at a time, like writing like three or four issues all at once, you know? So I'd just take a week and just, and then write everything. And in a way, the writing process to me is sort of like self hypnotism where I just end up in that place, in that world with those characters. And I'm just picturing it like the world could be falling apart all around me. I wouldn't notice cause I'm, because I'm just, I'm in that other world, you know, it's sort of like a, it's a weird, uh, sort of like trans transportive. I don't know if that's a word, but transports you into this other world and then you're just in it, you know? And so that's why if I can just stay in there and do like three or four issues at once, it's so much easier for me because it's, it's all in my head and I can keep track of it. But if I have to break out of that and go do something else and then come back, it's just harder. Really? So, so you're writing, so like, say let's take mind management. Are yeah. you writing like multiple issues at a time then? Or are you just kind of breaking it down then going off and writing Valiant? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'll, I'll take like a week off and do work on this one thing, you know, and, and 
Um, like with mind management, I'll, I'll write six issues at a time, like whatever the arc is, I'll just sit down and write the whole thing, you know, in, in I don't know how many days, if it takes a week or it's a week and a half, something like that. I'll just, I'll go in with an outline and then just script it all at once, you know, and, um, it's just easier that way. And then with Valiant, I'm doing the same thing too, where I'm, I'm having them structure my schedule so that I can sit down and write, um, like the next four issues of Ninjak. I just wrote it all at once. Oh, wow. And it's, and what's great is, and you can, if you have a slow artist, you can give it to a slower artist because I'm so far ahead, you know, that they, you can get, you can get, uh, anybody you want to draw it, you know, and there's plenty of time. And, and I feel like the stories are better too, because you, if you know what's happening four issues from now, then that the one you're in now, you can sort of like lead up to things and plant seeds early. And, and I just feel like it helps, you know, like I, I don't, I don't think it's really great to write one issue at a time and, and then hope it works out. It's, I think that's kind of tricky and can be dangerous, you know? Well, are you like an intense plotter though? Do you always know where you're going or are you just kind of writing and seeing where it goes? You know, yeah, I put, to me, the story, the writing is all done in the outline, you know, like a, I'm just picturing it, everything that's happening and scenes and everything. And I'll write it like kind of a detailed outline, um, for like, whatever four or six issues at a time um so i know so even if i can even if i'm only scripting one issue i've got the outline for the whole thing so i kind of know what's going on I, I don't know how you could do it otherwise it it seems too dangerous especially once an issue comes out that issue is what happened you know you can't go back and fix it it's not like a graphic novel where you can finish the whole thing and then go back and fix the things that need fixing <laughs> Yeah, you can't retcon your own work, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, do you have any kind of to-do lists or anything that like to, that that keep you on top of what you're doing? Yeah, I do. I have a what is this thing called? I got an app, Wonderlist. I'll oh, plug okay. Wonderlist, <laughs> but it's great. So you can make multiple lists, and then I have my master work list that is just everything I need to do. You know, and then uh, I put it all on there, and it's so satisfying because then I can just click it off, and when you click it off, it feels good. Um, I get mad when, like, I'm working on a thing that needs to get done, and then I go to check it off, and I forgot to put it on the list, and I'm like, now I don't get to click it off. <laughs> do you just put stuff on your list so you can click it off? I totally do that sometimes. I'm like, it's only going to take me 20 minutes. I'm still going to put it on there so I can click it off. But do you feel like if if you don't put stuff on your list? you're going to forget it or are you the kind of person that's like, okay, I, I, I did, you, did you like wake up and just make a list or are you the kind of person that just casually puts things on a list? I put the, as it comes up, I'll put it on there, you know, like even in my calendar is another thing like us doing this today. I was like, okay, I got to put that on right now. Cause if I don't, I'll hundred percent forget. You know? Oh my God. And, uh, I'm totally that way too. <laughs> yeah, it is. It has to go on right away in a, if somebody tells me a thing and I'm not at a place where I can put it on the list, I'm like, email me um, because I will f- totally forget, you know, and I, it's great because the editors I work with now, you know, I've, I've been with them long enough and it's like, hey, just, you know, I know I have like 10 things to do. If you would just put them in the order that you need them done and then they'll, I'll get that list and then I'll put it on my list in the order that needs to get done. So I always I have a hierarchy of how things the order they have to get done, you know, and then that helps because then I don't get stressed out. I may have 20 things to do, but I know that I can only do one at a time. So just go start at the top and go down. You said that, that your art and writing is kind of autonomous. Like you, you 
think of in both sides, is that how you approach your writing as well? Like very visual? Yeah. You know, and when I, when I first writing started writing full scripts, um, I would do thumbnails of the whole issue first and then I go back and type up the script. Um, and then the more I, the more I got used to typing up the scripts, the less I would do thumbnails. And then now I've dropped thumbnails all together because I can just, I can see it in my head, you know, um, I don't need to, I don't need that. And I was never showing the thumbnails to the artist anyway, because I feel like that's, it can be disrespectful, you know, and, and because they're the artists, you know, that's part of their job is doing the layouts. Um, so I, there's always, an, I always have an idea of what that page should look like, you know, and so I sort of write it and every once in a while I'll be, I'll have an idea that specifically needs to be the way it needs to be. So I will just, but I'll always use words to describe it, you know, unless it's, unless it's super crazy. I mean, there are a couple of pages in divinity that I was working on with Trev, Trevor, uh, who's doing art. And there are a few pages where I'm like, oh, it'll just be easier if I draw this out, you know, because it's sort of complicated and impossible to describe in words and everything. So every once in a while I'll still sketch something out. Do you feel bad about, about doing it though? No, I, I asked permission from the artist first. I'm like, do you mind if I, do you mind if I include a layout, you know? It, Cause that's gotta be kind of hard because you also have a, a design background. So it's like yeah. between artist, writer and designer, that's just, that's like the trifecta of just, it's a trifecta of being a pain in the ass. Yeah, I was going to say, I was going to, I was trying to think of a polite way to say that, but yeah, it's gotta be like, you know, it, it could, it could be really detriment or it could be just like, Oh God, this guy's a jerk to work with. Yeah. No, here's the thing is I, I definitely, I have definite ideas, but I also, especially when I'm working with an uh, artist, it's like I'm, it's a collaboration. So I'll put, I'll pour a ton of stuff into a script and have a ton of ideas and be like, we could do this, we could do that. And sometimes I'll put options in. It's like, well, you could do it this way. You know, you could do the spread across two pages or you could do it this other way. But then also, at the end of the day, it's you decide, you know. And, and so I try to, I try to give ideas, uh, but I'm not super controlling when it comes to whatever comes back. You know, if it wasn't what I described or it doesn't exactly how I pictured it, you know, but it still works, then that's fine. You know, that's, that's what the collaboration's about, you know. And I've been lucky to work with good artists where the stuff comes back and, you know, it's definitely been times where it's like, Oh, that's not how I pictured it at all. But, Oh, that, that actually works, you know? And, uh, and a lot of times it's better, you know, than what I'd even thought of, you know? So I try not to be a pain. <laughs> when, when you're coming up with a new s- series or, or a book or something, it, do you like, like say with Valiant, do you ever think, okay, Oh, well, I can just draw this as well. Or is it, just too much of a task for you yeah it's too much especially i'm doing mind management right now too and, and i can't draw more than one book at a, at a month it's too hard you know i've done like little spot illustrations and things here and there like a ninjack there's an inside cover and i want really want to do uh like cutaway views of his gadgets and things and um because that stuff's kind of fun to draw um so i draw that every month uh, but that's about the, that's about as much as I can handle, you know, like the writing is quick and it's kind of easy and, and, uh, but the drawing just takes a lot of time. You can't really, there's, it's just, it's labor intensive and I can't do as much of it. <laughs> Are you still a, a pen and ink kind of guy? Cause I've seen pictures of you where, where of, of your office where it's just like nothing but, but pages laid out on the wall. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, and it's funny cause I showed this to with Brian Hurt and then, uh, 
Marie Anger who colored Pistol Whip. She's in, she's in the other part of the studio, and they all have their Cintiqs, and they're playing with digital stuff. And I'm like, oh, that looks really cool and fun. And uh, I was like, there's no way I'll ever do it. <laughs> I, don't, I enjoy paper and ink and watercolor and and, uh, and getting my hands messy, you know, and, and kind of making a mess. And, and Brian, he still works with ink and everything too, but he'll, he does some stuff digitally as well. And uh, I have nothing against it. I just, I don't prefer it. What was the best advice somebody's ever given you? Best advice, and I will say I had a printmaking instructor in, in school, in college, and I hated printmaking because it was too messy for me. You know, it was like too much hassle for what you get. I was like, I didn't like the process at all. I didn't like anything about printmaking. But uh, but what he burned into my brain was like this idea, and he kept he would say it all semester. He was like movement and production. He would just say those two words, movement and production. And I'm like. He's like, you just, and the thing with printmaking is you do, you make your engraving or you do whatever, but then you start putting inks on it and you just start printing and start printing a bunch of them until you start getting some good ones, you know, and then you just keep doing it, keep working, keep moving. And, and I felt like, I was like, I hate printmaking. I'll never do it again. Uh, but I feel like that you can apply to comics, you know, it's like, you just keep, keep making comics, you know, and at the time I was like, I don't know how many mini comics I'd done, but I was like, I, I'm just going to keep working and getting better and keep telling stories. And, 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 you know, you don't, you just don't, you don't become too precious about uh, one page or one panel or one book. Even, you know, you just, you know, try to do the best you can and pour everything you've got into it and then, and then get better on the next one. And I felt like I've, that's how I've, that's how I work, you know, is um, uh, just, you know, don't be too precious about anything and, and just, do a lot of work. <laughs> What's been your proudest achievement in your career so far? Um, my proudest, I, I guess super spy just because I felt like that book, it was hard, you know, it was a hard part of my life too, just because, because of money issues and, and doing it. And like, it sort of represents like, and my wife and I just sort of, uh, teaming up together and like, in a way where we're like, let's, let's make it happen and like be supportive of each other and make it through this and, and try to get this, you know, try to make this dream come true or whatever. And then that book sort of representing all that stuff, um, happening. So I, I feel like that book is represents more than just what the pages say or what, what the story is, you know, it's bigger, bigger to me than that. Who are your, uh, your five biggest influences? <laughs> five biggest. All right, let's see. Well, it's always so hard. I say Phil K. Dick. Uh, I'm trying to think of artists. I like Edward Hopper. Um, probably oh, Alan Moore. If I was going to say comic creator, uh, I think Dave McKean. His comics too. Well, one more. Uh, I'll say uh, Nabokov. <laughs> Who? Vladimir Nabokov. He wrote Lolita, Pale Fire. Oh, okay. Nice. That's that'll be my my one literary <laughs> inspiration. So, how do you stay inspired? Because you've got so much stuff going on, and you know, there's there's got to be so you know days where you just you wake up and you, you don't want to do this. Yeah. You know, I, I'll say that's one of the most in, important parts of doing this, like for a living and as a job, is 
Um, it used to be like in college, I'd work on comics. I'm like, ugh, I don't feel like drawing today. Uh, I just don't, I want to do anything but draw. <laughs> and I wouldn't, you know, and then I was like, ugh. And so then, and then a week would go by. I was like, I don't really feel like doing it today or tomorrow or <laughs> the next day. And then I feel like uh, when I was doing Super Spy and I was doing eight pages a week, uh, there were there were many pages I could look at. I could point pages out in that book when I was like, I, that's a day I did not want to work. I did not feel like drawing. Uh, but then drawing during that, making yourself draw anyway, uh, it was interesting, you know, because I'm like, well, I don't, I'm not inspired. And it used to be, I'm like, well, I don't want to draw because I don't feel like it because if I don't, if I draw when I'm not feeling like it, the drawing won't be good. Um, and so that was always my sort of like cop out. I feel like that's a, sort of a bullshit excuse <laughs> it's like well and so i was like well what would happen if i just made myself draw anyway and then what happens is you i end up you end up doing better you know it's like oh so i'm like i'm gonna in spite of not wanting i'm gonna i'm just gonna try to do an even better drawing even though i really hate drawing right now and just do a better one <laughs> and and so you push through that and then oh it's like okay well now i feel like drawing you know you just make yourself work when you don't feel like working and I feel like that that helps but uh, that's almost like a psychological thing um, that you sort of have to I feel like I have to push through sometimes you know and, uh, but I will say uh, I do get burned out like that, that year I was writing all those books and everything I was really burned out and I was like I needed to take some time off so I just now I realize there's cycles so I work in cycles where I will work a ton write a bunch and then I'll take a few weeks off where all I do is read comics, read some books, watch a bunch of movies, you know, all the stuff that I've done my whole life and don't have time to do while I'm working. I'll just take, I'll actually count that as work. You know, I'll come into the studio and I'm like, I'm just going to read, I'm reading comics all day today. (laughs) And I feel guilty for like the first hour. And then then I start feeling better and I'm like, okay, by the end of the day, I'm inspired again. I'm like, Oh, like, you know, you see something somebody did with a panel that's interesting, it hasn't been done before, you, you know, little story things here or there. And then and then it starts to get me excited again about doing comics. Like, oh, can I? what can I do that could be better than that? Or how can I beat that? You know, there's like a competitive thing that also kind of drives me. Have you read something where you're like, oh, damn it, why didn't I think of that? Uh, boy, I'm trying to think. There's always, there's always stuff. I, I don't know that I, there's a specific idea, you know, but there's, there's stuff. Uh, I think I, I just read the graphic novel Copra. Have you heard of that? Oh yeah. Love and, it. Uh, and that was a book where I'm like, man, I just, I love how weird and quirky his art is. Like you can sort of see the lines and how it was all made and everything. And it wasn't like, oh, I wish I could do that. It was like, I, I was just enjoying it. I was like, I love how the way this looks, you know, that book looks so great and the art. It's so crazy. Nobody's doing anything like it. And it's not a thing that I can, uh, you know, that's, I can emulate, uh, but it's a thing that I can appreciate. You know, it's like I, this guy was in some ways around some similar wavelength, you know, where he, and so I'm like, okay, you know, I don't, you know, that's all right. But the art was so great. You know, yeah. it's like, it doesn't even matter what the story is here. I just, <laughs> I think I stopped reading it halfway through and I just like looked at, just looked at every panel like I was reading, you know, and, it was just, and I just loved it. So yeah, so there's that. <laughs> but, no, Michael Pfeiffer is great. He's he's a, he's a great writer artist. Yeah. Um, do you ever come across stuff where you you would want to actually draw a book for somebody else? Um, 
no. <laughs> no, I I come across artists that I'd like to write for, but I don't I don't really have a desire to draw somebody else's story. I just I feel like that's too personal a thing. It takes too long to do the art for me to like draw a story that would somebody else wrote. You know, I don't I can go the other way because I feel like that's more interesting to me. It's more fun to see my words put into pictures, but putting somebody else's words into pictures is not I don't know. I I don't think I don't think I would ever do it. Being a freelancer our lives kind of teeter on the work ahead of us and what we're in the fact that it can all go away at a minute. Uh, how do you stay on top of keeping that balance of what you're working on now and future projects? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you think about it all the time. I, I feel like, um, it was easy, uh, 10 years ago when I was starting because it was the thing where I'm like, well, I have this one book, I'm going to work really hard on it and get it done. There's no choice, really. It's like I just super spy is what I have. It's all I have. I'm going to do that and work on it really hard until it's done. You know, there's no there's no trick. There's no, like, different road I could take. You know, it was like, here's the road and drive down it as hard and fast as you can. <laughs> but it got tricky the last few years because it's, there's more opportunities. And, you know, I could write this or I could write that. Or I could, do I want to write and draw this thing or do I want to just write it and have some... So it's become more complicated as far as um, like career wise, like what, what you do and what's important and, you know, what do I do that's good for my career versus what do I do that's, that's a good project that just needs to be done, you know? And, and at the end of the day, I've just, I've tried to, I mean, I think I took a few writing things where I'm like, this is a good career thing and then I regretted it. So then I've, I'm like, I'm never doing that again. You know, I'm just going to do things that I really believe in, you know, and hopefully it works out. I feel like if you do strong work, uh, it's going to stand the test of time. You know, it'll be, I want something that's going to be, people will still like 10 years from now, you know, not something that comes and goes and was fun while it lasted. You know, it's like, I, I'm in this for the long haul. Like I basically my, this is my life. I dedicated it to making these, this kind of uh, work, you know, and I want to do things that are going to be around when I'm. 60 or 70, you know, that people still care about. Um, so that's kind of how I look at it. I'm like, I hope the money works out. I hope it works out. You know, it's, that's part of the freelance life is like you, you, part of you has to be to willingly not care. <laughs> you know, it's like, it'll work out or it won't. I'll have money for bills or I won't, <laughs> but this work's going to be good and it's going to get done and, and it, you know, it's worth it. You know. Okay. Last couple questions. Uh, you're on a long plane flight. You can only bring one comic book and one book. What would it be? <laughs> okay. And I can't bring my Kindle. No, no. <laughs> Cause that's or, or if you're Kindle, you can only have one book and one comic book on it. <laughs> okay. You only have that much space on it. Hmm. Okay. One book and one comic. Boy, that's tough. I guess I would bring, uh, boy, that's a tough one. If I was going to bring one book, I would bring Catch-22, Joseph Heller. And if it was one comic book, I would bring uh, probably Watchmen. Nice. Good good choice. Good choice. Yeah. Was Watchmen the, the book that kind of did it for you, that, that made you kind of understand comic books a little bit more? It, it, always it's, seems, it's, oh, it always seems like it's that book that people go to when you're like, okay, you want a perfect plot story and character development in 12 issues. Yeah, you know, I think it just works on a lot of different levels, and that's why it bears repeat reading. Like, I don't reread a lot of stuff, you know, because it doesn't, it doesn't, 
it doesn't really call for it. You know? Yeah. It's like, I, okay, I get it. You know, beautiful story. I loved it. I get it. You know, well, that's one where I, I think it, there's a lot of things going on all at once and not just the story and the plot. You know, I feel like, I feel like you read that book and it's almost like watching a James Bond movie. I'm like, what's the plot of the new James Bond movie? Oh, I don't know. It, but it was really cool. <laughs> the movie was cool. The plot, you know, it usually takes me three or four times watching a James Bond movie to, to even understand what the plot was like, Oh, that's what that guy was doing. That's what he was up to. You know, it's about all this other stuff. And so when I read Watchmen, it's the same way. Like, I feel like I was like, Oh, I read the whole thing. I'm like, Oh, yeah, what was he doing? What was his plan? <laughs> you know, like because I'm so distracted by everything else. Like there's so many different storytelling techniques and, and the way the panels are are cropped and like the sequences and everything and the repeating imagery and all the parallels and the like the construction of the story. Um, I think the way it's constructed is is so well done and so uh, so complex that the story becomes incidental while I'm reading it. You know, so I almost have to go in reading like, okay, this time I'm going to read it just for the plot. You know, next time I'm just going to, I'm going to go in and read it just for the, to see the panel layouts, you know, and, and you can just read it several different times. And, and that's kind of what I love about it. And, and that's what's inspired. That's why I would take it on a plane because I'm like, oh, I could, that's, a, that's when I could reread, you know, if it's the only one then I could reread it and still get something out of it. Nice. Nice. And why catch 22? Um, same thing, you know, I feel like that the way he structured that book is so kind of funny and the, the chapters, the way they work where characters are alive and then they're dead and they're alive again because it jumps back and forth in time. I feel like that book bears repeat viewing and, uh, <laughs> and you can, uh, you can read it out of order in order and, and, uh, which is funny. Like when I was doing super spy, I didn't really recognize it. You know, a lot of times my influences, I don't really understand until until later, much later, until somebody asked me a question. And I'm like, oh, I, that's, Super Spy does that as well, where there's characters that are alive and then they're dead and they're alive again. Uh, Catch-22 did that really well <laughs> before I did it. Well, we can't talk to Matt Kent without talking about mind management. Um, you actually said that uh, you're, you're writing the last two issues. Yeah, yeah. It's all written already. I'm just, all I have to do is draw it. <laughs> so if I die in a car wreck or something, somebody can draw the last two, you'll get the story. <laughs> have you started from beginning to end knowing where the book is going to go? And is it hard for you to put it into it? Yeah, you know, I pitched it to Dark Horse. I had an outline for the whole thing, you know, and I had all the different story arcs broken down and then how it was going to end and all that stuff. Um, that was like three years ago. And uh, yeah, it's interesting because that doing that book, the way I did it was different than anything else I've ever done. You know, I'd never done a monthly book before that one, you know, so there's a lot of things there that were sort of fun to play with and things that were new. And then, um, every book I've ever done, I, it, it takes me a year to do it, you know, like no matter what book it was, you know, I wrote the whole thing and then I drew it all and inked it all. And it takes about a year. Um, and my management, this is, I'm at the end of the third year. So it's been three years on one, basically one story um, and with the same characters and everything. And, and so it was, it was much different. It caught me off guard. Like this last story arc, I, as I was scripting it and everything, I was like, Oh, I'm, I actually feel some emotion here. <laughs> like I feel, I was like, this is so stupid. I care about these characters that I made up. <laughs> I was like, why is this happening? You know, where, where, when I'm working on a graphic novel and you, you are with those characters so much less, you know, you think about everything in the same amount, but, but you, 
your physical time with it is so much less that to me it becomes more of a a construct like i'm building this thing and these are these characters and they're based on these you know real people i know or you know they're real to me but i'm also i'm only spending like six months with them you know rather than three years and so it's different and it was a little weird and uh when i wrote the last six issues i finished scripting them i knew it was going to be in in my outline it's basically uh last six issues big fight that was my that was my outline for the last six issues (laughs) (laughs) i was like okay and then i got to it i was like all right that but so much there's so much baggage and so much had been set up by that point i'm like it has to be a little bit more than a big fight (laughs) it sounds like fun um but I, you know, what are those emotional beats going to be? What are what are they going to say before they fight? <laughs> that kind of stuff. Um, and so figuring that out was kind of fun, and and I was able to go back through the whole series, and it's kind of like the last issue of a sitcom or the last episode of a sitcom where they like flashback to all the all the best moments. You know, it's yeah, all emotional. Yeah. So I went back and did that. You know, looked at everything. I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, so it's kind of fun to do that. And and then um. But when I wrote down, I literally sat down and wrote the last six issues in three days. Oh, wow. Um, and it was uh, not including like the outline, like it took time on the outline, but just actually typing up panels and dialogue. It was like three, but it was three days of like oh, 14 or 15 hour days. <laughs> um, so, it, and I felt like I was a little crazy after that, you know, and it was weird to come out of that hole, you know, or I was in that, uh, I was in there, that story for so long without breaks and to come back out of it. And then I didn't know what I was going to feel. I was like, oh, maybe I'll feel a, I thought I was going to feel like some sort of like moment of triumph or like accomplishment. And I didn't, I felt like just the weight was off my shoulders. Really? <laughs> like I felt relief. Yeah, it was so weird. I'm like, oh, that's not what I was, I didn't think I was going to feel that. You know, I thought it was going to be more of like, yes, I did it. It was more like, Oh, thank God <laughs> it's over and I didn't mess it up. You know, and it was more of just like that ideas for, you know, a long time ago. Um, you know, cause I, there's no way I could start something this big or anything without knowing how it was going to end, you know, making sure it was right. I, I mean, I can't imagine the stress or the worry I would have if I was like not, not having that figured out, you know, I'd be super worried about it. <laughs> like, Oh, I hope people like it. You know, and I know this is where it's supposed to go and it's going to go there and, um, no, it's funny. I was, I was talking to my wife at lunch after I'd written it, you know, I was sort of just describing to her what was, ha- I was like, I gotta tell you how it ends, you know? And she's like, I don't want to be spoiled. I'm like, I, I have to get this off my chest. <laughs> you gotta hear it. And my poor wife, she hears everything, whether she wants to or not. Say, is she kind of like your, your pseudo editor slash sounding board? Yeah. Well, she's, it's funny. She's been reading it as it goes along. She just wants to read it as like a fan, you know? Like, oh, really? She wants the story. She doesn't want to be spoiled. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm spoiling this ending. Cause I want you to, because I just, part of me what, did want to see like what her reaction be. If she would like it, you know? And then, and I was starting to describe it and I was talking about it. I'm like, and then he does this and this happens. And then I, this is the most embarrassed thing ever. I was, we're at lunch and I'm like, and then I had to stop talking. I started choking up. <laughs> it was a thing where you're like, if I say another word, I, I think I'm going to cry. <laughs> and I was like, so I just stopped talking for a minute and she's like, what, she's like, what's wrong? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I'll tell you later. And so I didn't tell her. And, uh, but it was so, it was like the dumbest thing to me. I'm like, how am I, how did I write something that's making me sad? <laughs> Usually 
like I love reading stuff like that and things that make you feel a thing. And um, but I I don't think I've ever written anything where it made me feel the thing that I'm trying to get across. You know, like it's gonna I'm be a good to, feeling though. Yeah, it, it did. I was like, I guess it's I guess it's gonna be a good one, good one because I can't even talk about it out loud. Uh, it was so ridiculous. But yeah. with with mind management ending, do you feel a, a bit of a relief though? You're like, okay, no, I'm, I'm not on. I don't have to write and draw something for a while. Yeah, I'm excited because I, I, I hadn't really thought about it because I'm like, just nose to the grindstone, get it done, get it done, draw deadlines, you know, make sure I hit every deadline, wasn't late. And, um, and so now now I'm like, oh, I'm, it's like I look up and I'm like, the finish line's right there. I was like, oh, that was easy. <laughs> it wasn't. In a, and so it, it feels good. And then I'm looking at my schedule and I don't, uh, I'm doing another ongoing with Dark Horse that's probably going to start in January of next year. Um, and, uh, but that just means I, I'm going to take the summer off to just write all summer. So I'm going to write, I'm going to basically write the whole series over the summer and just have the scripts all done ahead of time. So then next year when we, I start drawing and I'm just, all I'm doing is drawing and I can write out other things and, and, uh, and have all that, all the writing pressure will just be off all the way rather than, having a good outline, which is what I had now. I'll just have all the scripts done and everything too. That's um, a good way to approach it. I'm, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, I know. It'd be great. It's, it's just gonna be like an epic, I'm treating it like a really epic graphic novel, you know, like a, you treat a comic book se- monthly series as, as this really big thing, you know, which is kind of what I did with my management, but not quite as detailed this time. I'm just gonna, it'll all be done, you know, but the beauty of that is now over the summer, all I'm doing is writing, which would be kind of nice. Like, I don't know. I haven't taken a break from drawing that for that long of a period of time. So I don't, I don't know if I really will. Um, I already got an idea. I was, <laughs> I cleared my schedule so I could write. And then I'm like, Oh, I really want to do like a, this is like a book that's all action. Like this, it's just like fighting and cars blowing up and, and guns and explosions and, and everything. And, uh, and, uh, so I might do something like that, like a 40 or 60 page action comic. <laughs> how long do you cultivate an idea before you actually decide to pursue it? Oh boy. Yeah. It just depends. Some ideas I I get it as I'm doing it and I just put it in there. Other ideas I just have, like I have long lists of different ideas and I'll go through it every once in a while to see if there's anything that applies to what I'm doing now. Uh, My management especially was great for that because I'm like, what do I do for the back covers this month? I don't know. (laughs) I don't have any ideas. And I'll just go through my list. And I'm like, oh, okay, I'll do that. You know, that works. Um, and so I just, it's just all over the place, you know. And uh, but yeah, I I have a few ideas for stories that I'm I want to get to, and it just it hasn't been the right time, or I'm not in the mood, or I'm not ready, or or I feel like I would want to let it sit and bake a little bit longer, you know. Um, and then other ideas like my this action thing, I'm like, oh, I might just do that next month, <laughs> you know. It's like, and not put any thought into it. <laughs> I didn't actually get a chance to ask. So are you a meticulous note taker? Are you, are you the kind of guy that just, you're always writing down notes or, or do you just keep things bottled up and wait till you start writing? Yeah, I have to write it down I'm, cause I work on so much stuff. I have to write everything down. I treat it, you know, it's almost like if my mind is a computer, it's a computer with no hard drive. <laughs> so, so I have to write everything down on pieces of paper and keep notes and, and make notes to myself and in scripts, you know, that's why I work so far ahead or I'll do six at a time is because I, I can only keep it in my head as long as I'm working on it. You know, as soon as I'm done, 
it's gone, you know. And, and you know, Eric called me uh, about ninja thing yesterday, and he's like, "Oh, on this one," I'm like, "Man, that was like four scripts ago. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I have to go read it." You know, so it's I like to work in big chunks. You know, like I like if I'm working on a series, I do the outline for the whole thing all at once. You know, and uh, because I can keep it all in my head. Because once I'm done, it tends to leave and. I'm thinking about something else. What do you do before you go to bed? Um, is that, is I, that kind I, of like your turnoff time where you're like, okay, done, done with the day. Now yeah. I'm, I'm just Matt. Yeah. My, my, what I do is I end up reading, uh, I have a Kindle and I read, I end up reading whatever book I'm reading. I read it for about 10 or 15 minutes as long as I can go and then I fall asleep. <laughs> so it, it's super frustrating because it takes me like, weeks and weeks to read a book, you know, cause I'm reading it like 15 minutes at a time right before I fall asleep. And, uh, so then every once in a while I'll take a couple of days off and, and plow through a couple books, you know, in just like two days. Um, but yeah, I just, I read for 15 minutes, puts me right to sleep. Well, I, we're out of time, but, uh, thank you so much for, for putting this together. And, uh, where can people find you on the web and stuff? Yeah. I, uh, I got a website, mattkint.com. Uh, you can, all my books are on there. You can see what I'm doing. And I'm on Twitter at Matt Kent and I'm on Facebook too. You can friend me. I friend everyone. <laughs> are you much of a social media person? Um, I, uh, I do it. I do it because it's interesting. I feel like if people are interested in what I'm doing, it's a good way to share it. Um, and I don't really look at it too much just because there's no time. Yeah. I have that problem too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Matt. Thanks for so so much for, for doing this. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So make sure you follow Matt on Twitter. It's just at Matt Kent. We're there too. It's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, <clears throat> We're on Twitter as well. You can find us at... Nah. We're on all the social media stuff as well. Eat Geek Play on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and now Snapchat. Go over there, follow us. If you like this podcast, let your friends know. Say, hey, this podcast is pretty cool. Check it out. Leave us a review, a comment, question, a suggestion on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you downloaded this podcast from. Make sure you subscribe to it because there's lots of other podcasts that we do that are a lot of fun, like A Talk on Titans, where every week me and my buddy Matt talk about the old school Teen Titans book from issue one of the Marv Wolf and George Perez run. And then soon, Robot Underpants. That's all I need to say. So until next time, stay creative.